Welcome, everybody, to The World is a Mess, and I just want to steampunk it. This is episode 93, June 16th, 2023. I'm your host, Steampunk Star Raisin. I'm here in North Hollywood, California. And I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Bertison. He is in Bellwood, Ontario, Canada. How's it going, Daniel? Hi, I'm good. I just saw The Flash a couple days ago. I loved it so I did, much. too. I saw it uh, early. I saw it on Thursday. Um uh, Often in uh, cities like Los Angeles and in New York, they'll often play movies a couple days early to get to build a pipe. But um, but anyway, so I had mixed feelings about the movie. I thought the movie was kind of mediocre. Uh, it was all right. It was okay. I um, on a scale of one to ten, I would give it probably like a six. Um, you wouldn't give it a seven? I thought you were going to say seven. I'd give it like a six. Ezra Miller is kind of problematic, and that kind of hurts the film. You know, I don't really like him as a person. He seems to be a bit of a douchebag. Uh, yeah. He seems a little crazy. But, you know, a lot of people say judge the work, don't judge the person. Uh, so, but Michael Keaton's Batman was the best thing. Uh, um, and, you know, granted, anybody listening, there's spoilers ahead. This is not a spoiler-free video, so if you don't want spoilers, don't listen to or watch this podcast. So there'll be spoilers. But, yeah, um, I was kind of disappointed that they killed him off, and he got killed twice. And Michael Keaton's Batman seemed kind of weak. I mean, I know he was elderly, but, like, Earlier in the film, when he was like retired Bruce Wayne trying to uh, defend intruders into his mansion, you know, he was like pretty badass with a frying pan. And it showed you, you know, like he still had agility and combat uh, fighting skills, even though he had um, mostly retired from being Batman. So it was cool to see Michael Keaton. I wish we would have saw more Mac Michael Keaton. And I mean, it was interesting. There were some good parts. Uh, Ezra Miller kind of hurts it a little bit. The explanation of time travel was pretty accurate uh, with, uh, you know, with Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. But then they contradict themselves because then there's like the younger Ezra Miller sacrifices himself and then he ends up killing Dark Flash because Dark Flash is like an old version of him. Uh, I did like some of the time travel scenes, how like time travel was a stage with multiple events simultaneously happening all at once. And it was like you just pick one. And so that part was pretty cool. But the CGI in most of the uh, time travel scenes were was really bad. Like it reminded me of like an early 90s video game. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't afford to do better CGI. Maybe they're just not paying their their ff uh sf or they're not paying their uh cgi artist uh enough to actually do a decent job i know that uh um animators in hollywood who do uh, computer cgi and fx stuff um usually don't get paid or treated very well so uh they have tight deadlines they're overworked underpaid you know it's almost like this abuse of uh, blue-collar labor uh, seems to 
um, have spread all across the spectrum, including uh, into Hollywood. So um, uh, I don't know. I mean, whoever was, you know, because you 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 had said that they've been they started production on this in 2020, correct? Uh, no, no, uh, it was April 21st, 2021. Okay, so it was still in the middle of the pandemic. But so they had like two years to work on this. I don't know whoever was uh, consulting in the CGI department. They, they definitely didn't do a very good job. They definitely, you know, I don't know the director, the producers overseeing the project. They had to have known that the CGI was terrible. It's like, if you're going to bring in Nicolas Cage for a cameo to reprise his role as Superman for a movie that never got released, uh, at the very least, bring in the real Nicolas Cage because they still had to have paid him for using his likeness. And that was just, it was just really dumb. Uh, I don't, I mean, I get it. It was like, you know, he's traveling back in time and everything is like an animation cartoon, but it just, it felt really cheap. And there were other people who have already done reviews that said the same thing. They said the CGI was terrible. Ezra Miller was very annoying. The best part of it was Michael Keaton. And it shows you, we probably should have had a Michael Keaton Batman sequel. It would have been much better if you just did a Michael Keaton Batman sequel instead of doing you know, a crossover with Flash. It just felt like, okay, we're going to bring in Michael Keaton to do the heavy lifting because he's charismatic and charming and he does a really good job of portraying Batman. And we're going to try to prop up Ezra Miller because Ezra Miller is annoying as an actor. But yeah, so I had mixed feelings about it. I mean, I still was, it was entertaining. I love anything that deals with time travel and science fiction I, th I thought the Chronobol effect was pretty cool. So it was mixed. I mean, there was some CGI that was good, but then a lot of it was just really terrible. Um, so, um, I mean, it was, I would say it was an okay film. It wasn't great. It wasn't like super bad. It was slightly better than mediocre, but I was slightly disappointed. What's your opinion on that? I, I loved it. You know, um, See, what I don't get is, um, okay, so they, they explained how it works in this movie. Like, um, yeah, they explained, like, for example. Um, Why do you have your camera turned off? Turn your camera on. It makes it more interesting. I know. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah, um, what they were, what Michael Keaton was saying was, um, like, uh, you may have seen a movie where, like, time, like, you know, I think they were referencing Marvel, right? Like, oh, like, you know, um, when you go back in time, the timeline branches off, but. Then he said, "Oh, it doesn't work that way. It works like this, like times on an axis or axis or something." And um, when you well, go back it contradicted itself because yeah. the way Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne described time travel in near the beginning of the film was accurate. It's like you know, it's, it's a straight line, a pasta, and you're intersecting with another line, and you're actually going into a a, a, a parallel universe, and then. You know, the more you travel back in time, the more parallel universes you create, and it becomes a messy, messy bowl of pasta. Yeah, yeah. You, you create, yeah, you, like yeah. the more you go back in time, you create but a multiverse. Then they contradicted that later on because then when young Flash sacrifices himself for older Flash, he ends up 
destroying Dark Flash because Dark yeah. Flash was apparently an older version of him that kept traveling back in time trying to alter the past. And yeah, so and great, yeah, that, that ends up creating like a time travel paradox, which was never explained, and it contradicts contradicts the earlier description of time travel, that you're just basically traveling the parallel universes. Yeah. Like, okay, so what I don't get is, okay, so like Michael Keaton said, you when you go back in time, you're just creating a multiverse, right? But um, so so our Barry, young Barry, and the Dark Flash, the older Barry has been traveling for hundreds or thousands of years. Yeah. They created a multiverse, right? They because apparently Flash him. also ages slow. So for him yeah. to have white hair and look elderly in appearance, means that he had he might have been doing this for thousands of years yeah which is an interesting concept but it contradicts because you basically at the end when young flash sacrifices so you find out that dark flash is an old elderly version of young flash is an old version of young flash who's been traveling around for hundreds to maybe thousands of years trying to correct the timeline and um and so that contradicts the earlier description of time travel and it makes it makes no sense and yeah, I, was, I like the I way they set up time. some what? of the time travel scenes where where it's you know because the, there's a theory in quantum physics that believes that all moments in time simultaneously exist all at once and so it's like looking at a stage of every possibility and i like that element of, of barry allen traveling back in time through the chrono bowl uh but a lot of the CGI was really bad. Some of it was okay, but a lot of it was bad, noticeably bad. And they they contradicted themselves. So I believe that in time travel that you you cannot affect your own past because everything that's an element in your own past came to make you who you are today, right this second. Mm -hmm. But you could travel back in time and affect the past of an alternate version of you. But it would be yeah. a different parallel universe version of you. And so it's mm -hmm. just like pick your poison. Which parallel universe do you want to go to? Which outcome do you want to see? So it's just about, it's all about time travel is about the observer. But exactly. the observer cannot travel back in time to his own past because um, otherwise he would have remembered himself and then he would alter. You know, there's there's no way he can alter his past because he exists with all his memories and all of his experiences as is right up to this second, but somebody mm -hmm. else can travel to another parallel timeline and alter a parallel universe version of you. And so basically traveling back in time in real life would be like, just pick your poison, which, which event do you want to see play out? Mm -hmm. And so they kind of contradicted themselves from the beginning of the way they described time travel to the way it was at the end. I mean, it was still pretty neat. But I thought Michael Keaton's Batman get killed off way too easily. I mean, yeah, I know he's elderly. He's elderly Bruce Wayne. Maybe he's not as tough as he used to be when he was younger, but he still seemed pretty tough. And he had his bat suit. And um, the thing I didn't like was he got killed by one of General Zod's henchmen, not even General Zod himself, which made Michael Keaton's Batman seem particularly weak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was kind of like a version of Batman versus Superman, but it's just it's just Michael Keaton's Batman versus Kryptonian, some random Kryptonian. Yeah. 
Well, this time, I guess, because he didn't have any kryptonite, you know, although he had uh, some kind of explosive. And so yeah, he was, he was. You know what? Did you think, sorry, did you think that that explosive that he put on the guy's head, do you think it, it killed him at first? I thought it killed him at first. I thought, oh, he found a way to kill one. It didn't. It just stunned him because the guy ended up getting, the henchman ended up getting back up and killing yeah. uh, Batman anyway. And then he, you know, the young Barry Allen traveled back in time the first time and warned him about the missile strike, but then he ended up dying anyway. And then Supergirl ended up dying anyway. So that was kind of anticlimactic. And then it all sent, seemed pointless because he ended up traveling back in time. And I was really surprised to see George Clooney reprise his role as Bruce Wayne. So I guess Barry Allen's stuck in the multiverse and he'll probably never be able to get back home. And that will explain you know, why why yeah. he's not in the rebooted universe. So well the way this is what I predict. If the movie mm -hmm. bombs, they're just gonna pretend like it never happened. Oh but if but if the movie does well, then they'll find a way to include Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, or maybe they'll even recast Ezra Miller. I really hope it does well because, like, like you said, like it's it's just early showings, right? I hope. Well, it, I, hope I, I I heard that it wasn't doing well at the box office. Mm -hmm. That a lot of people reported that the the theaters were mostly empty on opening weekend. So that's so sad. It's, I it, it's got it's got to it's got to compete with across the Spider Verse too. And it's oh, also that, yeah, and it's yeah. also got to compete with uh, Transformers, Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Um, well, that would be easy because nobody really cares for Transformers. Well, it was the number one movie last weekend. Oh, it was. Yeah, well, that's that's very odd. Uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast actually beat out uh, Across the Universe to be the number one movie last weekend. No. Oh. But you know what I don't get? Okay, so like because so last it, last weekend, uh, the weekend of June the 9th through June the eleventh, number one movie of the week in the U.S. box office was Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. It opened with sixty one million, which is kind of a weak opening for a big budget sci fi movie, and then that knocked uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse to number two. But the, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has been doing pretty good for an animated film. And its second weekend, it made $55 million. And the first weekend, it, I think it made like $150 million worldwide. So it did pretty okay. And then Little Mermaid knocked number three. Guardians of the Galaxy is held strong at number four. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And The Boogeyman has fallen to number five. Uh, that's Disney's attempt to do a horror movie. And uh, I haven't really had that much interest in it. And then Fast X has fallen to number six. The Super Mario Brothers movie has fallen to number seven. Oh, God. Hey, I'm recording a live uh, podcast. You're, you're going to be in it if you talk. You okay with that? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. You still there, Daniel? Yeah, I'm here. But so, like, okay, look, what okay. I don't get, what I don't get is, okay, look, if if the three berries, right, if the three berries, the the, the young one, the middle one, and the old one, the black one. 
created the multiverse, right? Then why were they crashing into each other and annihilating each other? I don't know. It was I just said that they're the explanation of time travel in the Flash movie was contradictory and confusing. Um, the way it was explained early on that you know that basically when you intersect through time, you're basically intersecting into a parallel universe, which I thought the Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne's explanation of time travel at the beginning of the film was pretty accurate. But then they got really weird and then he went with the back to the future themed time travel where somebody gets killed and then the older version just disappears as if they never existed. So then, you know, if they never existed and why did they appear and affect things to begin with? If they were killed in the past, then they should have never been able to affect things in the future. And I, I liked a lot of the elements with the way they depicted time travel as a stage where simultaneously every event of every possibility is simultaneously going on at once. And that's a more accurate description of time travel. So with time travel, you would just be basically traveling to parallel universes and it's just pick your poison, pick which event that you want to see play out to what, uh, to what um, variety, you know, you have a variety of events you know, somewhere President Kennedy died and then maybe another parallel universe where he didn't die. And then you no, could explore you could explore that parallel universe. But your your timeline from your from the person's perspective who's time traveling, their own timeline is concrete and can't be changed because mm-hmm. every event that happened in your life up to the very second that you're breathing um, in that moment in the present um is a culmination of events and experiences that you went through that are that can't be altered by yourself because you were the one that went through those events and those events were a building block that led to your present existence. But yeah, they contradicted themselves with time travel. And then, you know, you know, the young Barry Allen travels back in time and warns the Michael Keaton Batman. Because the first time he gets killed by just a random missile from General Zod's ship, and he warns him about the missile, and he's able to dodge it. But then he ends up getting killed a second time. And so that was kind of disappointing that they, that, you know, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman always seemed like a badass, but he seems to, he seemed to have gotten killed, like, in a pointless way. Like, he gets killed by one of General Zod's henchmen. I mean, it would have been more epic if he had actually fought General Zod himself and maybe General Zod killed him and he sacrificed himself for the greater good. But the way they depicted the death of Michael Keaton's Batman the second time that he died, the first and second time that he died, he just seems pointless. First time he gets killed by a random missile and then he decides that, well, my ship is going down and I can't, the emergency eject is not working. So I'm going to try to take out General Zod's ship and do like a kamikaze attack and it doesn't work. The General Zod's ship still, you know, it's slightly damaged, but it didn't really have any impact and he sacrificed himself for nothing. And then the young Flash traveled back in time to save Batman and then he, he warns him. And then the second time his ship gets shot down, but this time he makes it to the ground and then he gets killed by one of General Zod's henchmen which makes uh, Michael Keaton's Batman seem particularly weak. And it's like, why was he even bothering to mess with one of the henchmen? Why didn't he just go after General Zod himself? But 
So it was a little disappointing and it was a little contradictory. Ezra Miller was a little annoying. Overall, like I said, I would give it a six on a scale of one to ten. It was slightly better than mediocre. It was okay. It's not a great movie. It's not a bad movie. But we shall see how well it does at the box office. I haven't gotten any results yet. Usually box office mojo won't report on the weekend box office until after Saturday. So and then once they get the box office results for Friday and Saturday, and then they get it, they can usually um, predict what the box office will be for Sunday. Because Sunday is usually slower than Friday and Saturday. But yeah, I mean, it was okay. I mean, there were some elements that I loved about the movie, but yeah, Ezra Miller is a very annoying actor. And he has all the baggage. I think that's also hurt the film as well. Because like I said, I, I predict the movie will probably not do that well because there, there's there been reports of people going opening weekend and the movie theater wasn't even half full. Now, the movie theater I went to at the Cinemark in North Hollywood, uh, it was probably two-thirds of the way full. wasn't completely full, but it was two-thirds of the way full, which is kind of telling like maybe it's not going to do that well at the box office because in the opening weekend you can't even fill theaters then that's not a good sign for going forward plus it has other really big movies to compete against it's got you know, like uh um across the spider-verse 2 you know with miles morales spider-man got just got released a couple of weeks ago and then last weekend you had the transformers rise of the beast movie so I don't know. And then you had all the the negative PR of the movie because Ezra Miller is apparently running a cult and grooming teenagers to be a part of his cult. And he's like brainwashing them. And he bought a, uh, a ranch house. And, you know, he's uh, been recorded on video of assaulting women. Like there was this woman who's like, you think you're tough? And then Ezra Miller's like grabbing her by the throat and then body slamming her to the ground. He could have severely injured her. Uh, and he's been doing a lot of drugs and that's just, you know, affected his ego. And then like Ezra Miller was going around in real life saying that I, he goes, there's a parallel universe version of me. That's actually really the flash. And I'm and like, he's lost his freaking mind. So I hope Ezra Miller gets the help that he needs and he stops abusing people. But at the same time, it's added a lot of negative PR to the film. And he is kind of annoying as an actor. Um, I wish they would have brought in the Grant Gustin version of The Flash because the TV version of Flash is so much better. Yeah, that's true. Would you not agree? Oh, I agree. Definitely. I never liked Ezra Miller, even from the beginning. You know, so if it like, doesn't do well, then I'm sure it'll be no consequence to the rebooted expanding universe because but, and they won't have to bring back Ezra Miller. If it does well, then I'm sure that they'll explain that he's trapped in the multiverse somewhere and they'll explain like, you know, they can always bring in a multiverse version of Flash that's different than Ezra Miller. So there's multiple ways that they can play this, but um, I predict the movie's probably not going to do that well. I mean, it'll probably do okay relatively at the first box office, but they spent, like, how much money did they spend on The Flash? Do you know? I think it was like $120 million or $130 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money, and then they spent a lot of money promoting it. So, 
Yeah, but you know, I just want if it only does like sixty million in the opening weekend, that means after that it's gonna drop and then it'll be lucky to even break it even. I know, uh, I know. I was talking to I was I was talking to someone it, it, it may it, it probably will just barely break even, but I want this to have a sequel because think about it. I want to see a Ezra Miller in the Batman and Robin universe, you know? I want to see George Clooney. Uh Batman and, and Robin Chris, universe is probably one of the worst universes. Yeah, dude, Chris O'Donnell as Robin was the best, man. He was awesome. Okay, like well, O'Donnell. that's your opinion. That's yeah, not yeah. most people's opinion. Okay. They say he was too old to play Dick Grayson. I disagree. I think he was the right age. Who knows? I mean, did you think Chris O'Donnell was too old to play Robin? I just thought the movie was dumb. I didn't like Batman and Robin. I mean, like, when you watch Batman Forever, did you think that Chris O'Donnell was too old? He's twenty years old, and he. Robin's I don't. I didn't have a problem with that. I'm just saying, I want a good movie. I want a good script. Batman and Robin was not it. Yeah, but you know, okay. What I don't get is okay. So if Barry, if the three Barrys created the multiverse, then what did they do to create the George Reeves Superman universe? You know, George Reeves. Superman? I don't know. It's basically all interconnected. It's all a multiverse. They they even showed like the yeah the the George Reeves movie a version of Superman from the fifties. Now that looked photorealistic, and then they even showed the uh, Adam West version of Batman from the sixties. That looked photorealistic, but then there were other parts of the CGI, like Nicolas Cage CGI version. And Nicolas Cage looked really bad and really fake. And then it was like the CGI version of Henry Cavill looked really bad and really fake. Um, and the Christopher, a lot of people say so. Okay, so mixed results from acting. Really annoying actor, Ezra Miller in lead. Michael Keaton was great as always, but the story was disappointing and it was contradictory. The story was contradictory in its explanations of time travel. And so the story was a little bit convoluted. There were some entertaining parts and there were some good parts and there were some bad parts. But Ezra Miller, very annoying as an actor. The CGI mostly really bad. And I wasn't the only one who complained about the CGI. There were other people reviewing it on YouTube. Who complained about the CGI? So, are you still there, Ann? No. Oh. Hello. I think she muted. Yeah, I'm still here because um, I had to mute because my dad's talking in the background. Okay. My dad and I. My dad's been talking to me. My dad's talking. Okay, this is being recorded. Everything we're talking about is being recorded. That's why you was muted. Oh, okay. Do you need to call me back? Do you need to call me back? Well, I can talk now. My dad was talking to me about spices. Spices, uh, like I think, like around 13 years, born in November 8, 2008. Um, so doing the math. Um, yeah, he, uh, he's. Uh, he's really. So are you going to do a ghost? Are... About how I was walking him for 45 minutes yesterday. Talking about uh, what now? Talking about how I watched spice for 45 minutes yesterday with my. So dad. what about that? What? We were just talking about how we're keeping the dog healthy and keeping him living a long time and feeding him good food and how one dog is more affordable than three dogs because I used to have three dogs, but my other three passed away. Yeah, the other two. two. The other two, yeah. Well, I mean, you could always do a GoFundMe uh, to clone your dog. 
and go to South Korea and get, get some clones. You don't want to clone your dog? I mean, you can have them forever and ever. There, there, there's a whole documentary on YouTube about a woman who cloned her dog and she ended up with like three clones of her dog because that's how it works with cloning is you end up with a lot of duplicates with the way they do cloning technology. But I think there's only one company it's in South Korea that does cloning of pets, but it's like a hundred thousand bucks. But uh, anyway, so I guess we're done talking about the Flash, Daniel. No, no, hold on a second, hold on a second. Um, yeah, I was. Uh... I don't know what else I could say about well, okay, it. Okay, like you know, okay, I just, I just love this movie, and I just like, I, I really hope it does well. I mean, it, it's possible. People say it's possible that it can pick up in like the first. Like the, the, the maybe the first. Well, it's week. gotta it's gotta compete against Indiana Jones. I think next week. Yeah, but you know, I okay. Yeah, we got the ten minute warning. We got the ten minute Zoom warning. And I just you know I really want this multiverse thing to continue. Okay, we to. we we gotta. Uh, if you want, right, we right. can wrap. Oh. We can wrap up and talk yeah, about wrap this up. The the next. So let's, let's talk. You want to talk about the Ukraine thing? Yeah, I can talk about the Ukraine war because the counteroffensive. Uh. We look at the battle map. I always go to Al Jazeera because I find them more neutral stance. That's the news agency based on uh, the country of Qatar and the Middle East. All right. Share screen. You see that? Yep, I can see it. Okay, so this is a couple days old, so I don't know, but they they had talked about the Ukrainian counteroffensive started a couple days ago, and from what I can see, the counteroffensive hasn't really changed the battle map much. Uh, you have day four hundred seventy six, June fourteenth. Um, this is a battle map from two days ago. I don't have. The current battle map, unfortunately, but as you can see, it's still a stable defense line along the Dnieper River. Um, not really much has changed in Donetsk, and um, the you know there is Ukrainian equipped uh, Russian troops that are allied with Ukraine that have done a cross the border raid into Belograd. But and there's been drone attacks in Russia and Moscow, but there's not really been that much change in the battle lines. It's relatively the same. Uh, let's see, Ukraine war headlines. You know, and of course, Putin is threatening with nukes. He's moving nukes to Belarus because that way he can, you know, threaten NATO. With, um, with nukes because that'll be much closer to NATO positions in Eastern Europe. Um,
But the problem with the Ukrainian military is they are battle exhausted. Most of their troops have been fighting constantly for the last year. Uh, and they have very little reserves for relief and they have a shortage of manpower, which is why Ukraine has done a nationwide draft of anybody between the age of 18 and 60 whose male can't even leave the country. Um, and they have had negative population growth in Ukraine and they've had negative population growth in Russia. But Ukraine has more severe and critical manpower shortages. They have very little reserves. Um, they, uh, in the classified documents leaked from earlier this year, there was uh, um, talk about how the Ukrainian military was short on ammunition and short on vital equipment. And so... You know, it's 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 hard to say if this counteroffensive is going to make any difference. Um, but can you see my arrow here? Yep, yep. Uh, so, I mean, from what I can tell, there's, you know, the blue is where the, the Ukrainians have claimed a counteroffensive. They've launched a counteroffensive near Bakhmut. And up here in the Northeast, and they've launched a counteroffensive near uh, Dora's uh, uh, Dora or uh, Shazina's. Uh, I can't pronounce those Ukrainian names, but they've launched a counteroffensive near Kirsten City. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's resulted in any sudden changes in the front line. The front lines mostly remain static. If I were the Ukrainian military, I would launch a counteroffensive through here, through the center. I would try to retake Maripol. Now, I know that Russia, you know, they both sides have blamed each other for the dam. There was a dam that was destroyed that flooded areas along the Dnieper River, and I, I believe Russia did that because this is something that's been done in wartime before. If you blow up dams and flood areas, it makes the ground very swampy and wet, and it's very hard to get like heavy armor and heavy artillery and heavy equipment and supplies across wet, swampy ground, and it favors the defender. But um, if Ukraine can press its attack with combined arms tactics, and they need better air support. Uh, it's one thing to have drones, but you need to have close air support, and you need to have uh, combined arms tactics. You need to have a spearhead with all your armor up front. Uh, they need to launch an attack and retake the, the port city of Maripol. Because if they can retake the port city of Maripol, they can isolate Russian forces in Crimea and, and significantly hurt and impede the Russian Navy, which is based in Sevastopol, the capital of Crimea. So um, that's the, that would be, the, in my opinion, the easiest way to attack would be to attack through here. And you cut Russian forces in two, isolating the south from the north, which would make them harder to resupply logistically through their supply lines. But does Ukraine have enough air support? and enough uh, tactical weapons, artillery, tanks, um, 
and personnel to do that, I'm not sure. It's I, I can't really predict in this war. You know, when this war first happened, started in February, uh, or this uh, incarnation of the war uh, started in February of 2022, I thought Russia was going to roll over Ukraine within a matter of like weeks, maybe months. But I never would have envisioned that it would have lasted this long. And what appears to be the problem with the Ukrainian military is they just have a shortage of manpower. They have very little reserves. Most of their troops are exhausted. They've been fighting constantly for a year. year. If you have infantry who's been fighting in foxholes and trenches and defensive positions for like over a year, they're going to be tired. They're not going to be alert. They're not going to be very good at launching a counteroffensive. They can do it, but they're not going to be at their peak. But we're running out of time. we got about two minutes left. I don't want to get abruptly cut off. But yeah, so, so far with the Ukrainian counteroffensive, I see very little change. I blame that on the fact that they have manpower shortages. It's well known that Ukraine has manpower shortages and they, they lack the um, a, enough infantry to be decisive in kicking Russia out of all of Ukraine. And uh, uh, Russia lacks... Um, the uh, confidence and experienced officers and personnel to even be able to um, uh, conduct a campaign. So this is kind of resorted to like World War I tactics where everything's like trench warfare. But anyway, we're running out of time. So thank you, Anne, for joining me. And thank you, Daniel, for joining me. This has been The World is a Mess. I just want to steampunk it. This is episode 93, June 16th, 2023. I'm your host, Steampunk Stories, and here in North Hollywood, California, USA, and I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Burson, in Bellwood, Ontario, Canada, and my silent co-host also as well, Rock Ann. So you have a nice day, and I'll see you 25 billion years, I will.